Regardless of your relationship status or whether you learn the laws of love from Madonna, Bon Jovi, or Whitney, we can all agree that relationships are complicated. And it may be easy to sing a love song, but it can be difficult to live it out, right? In this series, Love Songs and Lies, we'll take a look at some truths from God's Word that will help us live full, life-giving relationships. Welcome to City First Church. We are so glad you're here. Everybody here in the State Line area. Want to say hello to everybody in Cape. Come on, can we make some noise for our God Behind Bars locations? We love you guys. City First Anywhere, no matter where you're watching from, we believe that today's message is going to add value to your life in some way, shape, or form. Kicking off a brand new series called Love, Songs, and Lies. Not sure where you're at in your relationship, what your relationship status might be. You might be here today. You're single. Perhaps you were scoping and hoping. Turn your eyes upon you. You turned your eyes upon somebody else, but nevertheless... You're here, and we're glad that you're here. Uh, maybe, maybe you're dating, trying to figure some things out. Maybe one of you told the other one you love them before you were ready to say that. They said, I love you. You responded with, thank you, and you didn't really know what to say. I don't know. Maybe you're engaged, trying to figure out if their family's crazy or if you're crazy. It could be both. Uh, maybe you're married, man, maybe happily married, maybe struggling, maybe, some, maybe marriage is on the rocks, maybe you were married without kids and you're like, this is great, then you had a couple of kids and you can't even remember what marriage was like before kids, BK, you know, I get it. So there, there's that. Uh, perhaps you found yourself in a situation where, where you were actually divorced and, and, and called it quits and now you're trying to figure some things out or maybe you lost a loved one, maybe, maybe you're widowed today. I mean, regardless of, of the relationship status you find yourself in, they're all complicated. Every single, every single relationship status under the sound of my voice has a complication one way or another. And I just think that you're in the right place to say, God, would you help me know what to do next? How to navigate some of, of these relationships? Because I, I can't speak for you, you can speak for me. I, I think it's pretty easy to actually get our rules for love and relationships from love songs. I know I did. Okay, like, like what I think about love, what I think about romance started with, with boys to men, okay? Although we've come to the end of the road. It was like, I'm still trying to figure out how I was singing a breakup song at 12 years old and I was single. Who was I breaking up with? I don't know. But boys to men, I sang it with conviction, ladies and gentlemen. You know, maybe you grew up singing Backstreet Boys, talking about something, I want it that way. You are my fire, the one desire. Believe when I say I want it that way. Gave us this idea that well, whatever relationships I have, it's going to be on my terms a little bit. Okay, now some of you acting like you ain't listening to Boys to Men, you ain't listening to Backstreet Boys. You are not that saved, okay? Trust me, you listen to some stuff. Um, I remember in college, I used, to, I used to jam the usher. I had axe spray had just came out. I was spraying my whole body down, singing bad girl in the mirror, talking about something, I want a bad girl. And it was like, then you went on a date with a bad girl. Couldn't believe how that happened because I got what I sang for. And then today we sang an all-time great song, I Will Always Love You. I'm not even going to try and sing it because I don't want to hurt myself. 
Because you would catch a hernia trying to sing with Whitney, you know what I'm saying? Trying to hit some of these notes. But there is this idea that sometimes we're sold on, and that's what we're going to dive in today, this, this song, I Will Always Love You, because I think sometimes what these love songs sell us is euphoria, romantic bliss, happily ever after, as if we are all going to get into these relationships and that we're going to get married and that somehow our romantic idea of what we want is going to start here on a honeymoon, the beach, and then we spend most of our relationships trying to consistently get back here to a five-star all-inclusive resort to have the steak dinner, to have the romantic dance, if you will, of going, this is what life is going to be like. I love you. We're going to spend our life. I, I meet very few couples who actually live on the beach. I mean, it's like, hey, we're going we're gonna to start this life together. You know, we're going we're gonna to strive towards this white picket fence, and our kids are going to be in pictures together. They're going to smile. We're going to have our dog. We're going to wear matching outfits. Life is going to be amazing. And then you get married, and then you find yourself more like this, shoveling snow. And you're out there for two hours, and you're like, how did I get here? You know, I did not imagine my life. This is what marriage is going to look like. Or maybe you're in Florida, and it's just like you're constantly going through hurricane after hurricane. And then, and then you're thinking, all right, well, man, you know, when, when we get home, we're going to have a nice romantic evening. And, and instead, what you get is crying kids and a mess. And, and, you're, and some of you are going, oh, and some of you are going, is that a camera in my house? Like, how did he get that picture? Uh, some of us, we, we spend so much of our, our marriage cleaning. Like, how many hours do you spend cleaning up after the other person or, or trying to just keep the household together? I, I spend about five hours a week in carpool lines, okay? Like, like that's my family contribution. And, and it's like, I didn't think about that when we were dating. I didn't think this is how I would be spending some of my time. And, and what love songs will never sell you is that love is hard work. Nobody wants to play that song. <laughs> that song will never be on repeat on the radio. <laughs> but it's true. And, and, and I, love, I love meeting couples who've been married for 30 plus years. I love it. And, and, and here's what they would tell you. They didn't get there by going on more vacations than other couples. They got there by giving each other what they needed during different seasons of their relationship. They gave something. They had to give something up. John 3.16 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave us something. That's how, that's how he showed love. Love ends up giving something. John 15.13 says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. If you want to improve your love life, if you've shown up here today, if you're watching online today and, and you're going, man, I, my love life, it, it, it's not going well. Regardless of the status you find yourself in today, it, it's going to require you to lay something down and to give someone else something. It's going to require generosity. It's going to require giving. And, and I believe that if if you want to improve your relationships, there are three things today that I, I want to just give us that I think... If we're going to love people in our life well, there's three things that we've got to give them. 
The first thing is this. Attention. Uh, Particularly undivided attention if possible. Uh, I I don't know if you've ever been here, but I want you to see this picture. But have you ever sat down to watch a show and then next thing you know, you're not even watching the show. You're kind of just, it's just kind of like background noise and and you're both just kind of just doing your own thing. You're, you're next to each other. You could say you spent time together, but you're not even giving the TV attention, let alone each, each other. Have you ever uh, been at a restaurant? I know you weren't doing this at a restaurant, but you saw somebody else doing this. Like you saw this couple on a date, and they're, 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 the food's coming to their table to eat, but yet they're both still on their phones. I mean, it's just easy for us to have so many devices that just take up our attention. Just imagine if I just preached like this the whole time, but I was like, yeah, you should give your life to Jesus. Um, And then the next, there is something about it that is somewhat, what, disengaging. But sometimes we try to improve our love life like this at the same time. Yeah, so what time are you going to be? And you just kind of, at some point, I, I think if we're going to improve our relationships, I think we've got to figure out a way to, to give the people we love some undivided attention. You, you want to know what I love about, about Jesus? It's perhaps one of the most underrated characteristics about the all-powerful, miracle-working Jesus is how unhurried he lived. He's never in a hurry. He was so present. He moved slow enough to pay attention. And guess what? Everyone wanted Jesus' attention. You would want Jesus' attention too. Trust me. I mean, I love what it says in John chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you were going back? You're not going to rush Jesus, okay? Like, you're not, like, even to a funeral, Jesus, the one you love, is sick. Yet, it's amazing that he stalled going to the funeral of someone he loved to stay on mission to reach a group of enemies in Judea. It's amazing what he allowed to have his attention. He was laser focused on what God had really called him to do. We see it a little bit different in Mark chapter 5 with the woman with the issue of blood. How it starts off is in Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Jairus, a synagogue leader, comes to Jesus and says, hey, my my little daughter, she's dying. So Jesus begins to make his way over there, and and the Bible says that that a large crowd pressed all around him as he moved towards Jairus' house, but yet there was a woman in the crowd who dove and said, if I can just touch the edge of his cloak, I will be made whole. And it's interesting what we see in verse 32. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. In a very large crowd, we see Jesus making a woman feel like she wasn't just a number. I bet at a large church, it's easy to feel like I'm just another number. There is something about giving someone our undivided attention. Scripture says Jesus kept looking 
around. I wonder who is, uh, maybe even in your home, that feels like they're just a roommate. They're just another person in the house. You would, cannot underestimate the power of giving them your attention. The person you want to love well needs your attention psychologically. This is a need that developed when we were kids. I want to show you a little bit of a scale. Uh, I, I was reading uh, uh, on some psychology stuff the other day, and there's actually different questions that we ask at different stages of our adolescence. And so from ages zero to one, the question we're asking is, am I safe? And do I feel protected by my parents? And from ages one to two, it's, am I able? Anybody got any toddlers that's just trying some stuff, climbing some stuff? You're like, are you able? No, you're not able. You cannot fly. Did you figure that out today? <laughs> ages three to four, am I okay? But once you get to kindergarten, first grade, the question that you start asking is, do I have your attention? Do I have your attention? Grades two to three, it's do I have what it takes? Grades four to five, it's do I have friends? Grade six is who do I like? What's interesting is, is we're talking about children. We're talking about adolescence. But isn't it amazing that in a good way, some of us never grow up. In a good way, some of us get into relationships in our 20s and 30s and 40s and we're still asking some of these questions. Because it's interesting, when we're children, we are all accustomed to this phrase, Daddy, look! Mommy, look! And my kids say it about a hundred times a day, okay? And it don't matter what it is, okay? It could be a shoe, it could be a drawing. If there is this, do I have your attention? But some of us never grow out of it. And, and, and what I know about you and what I know about me is that deep inside of each and every single one of us is a massive desire. For someone to look is a massive desire for someone to be proud of us. That someone is watching and going, I like what I see. If you want to love someone well, be the person that is the most proud of them. Be the person that, is, that they can be the safest with. I, I love what Philippians chapter 2 Verse 3 says, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I had a single friend ask me the other day, they, they said, hey man, what's something that would make me more attractive? I said, push-ups. That's probably what would help you. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I may have thought it, but I didn't say that. No. Uh, I, I, I said, man, I think, I think Philippians 2 verse 3 will help you. I think you should try and be this kind of person that does nothing out of selfish ambition and rather in humility, you spend your life valuing others above yourselves. Who wouldn't want to be with that person? Who wouldn't want to be with a person that's consistently showing up at their job, their neighborhood, their gym, their school, and is just constantly thinking about other people? Just do this everywhere and just let the chips fall where they may. Give people your undivided attention. Be present. Be engaged at a level that you would want someone else to be with you. One of my favorite uh, stories comes from Dr. John Gottman, who is a best-selling marriage uh, author. And, and one day he was sitting with Crown Publishing trying to convince them to give him more mar marketing dollars. And they weren't having it. They're like, dude, I don't even know that your book's that good. I know you got a lot of stuff, but but he, like, so this marketing executive, he's kind of checked out of the meeting and, and he goes, hey, 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 Dr. John, listen, if you can give me one thing that can improve my marriage, I don't need seven steps. I don't need all of this stuff. Just give me one thing that could. 
improve my marriage. And, and Dr. John Gottman's kind of like, man, I don't know, that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of pressure in 30 seconds to give you one thing that can improve your marriage. He goes, man, I, the one thing that I, I, I would say is honor your wife's dreams. And, and the marketing executive was stunned, actually left the meeting. Dr. John Gottman thought, man, this went horrible. I'm not, this, this, is, this is not good. But what he found out later is that this executive uh, went home to his house in Brooklyn, took a train there, shows up. His wife goes, oh, God, did you get fired? Like, what are you doing home? He said, no, I was talking with this marriage expert, and he said something to me that made me think, and I just, I just had to come home and ask you, what are your dreams? She looked right at him and said, I thought you'd never ask. That's what can happen. Sometimes you can live with someone so long, you can kind of get used to they are who they are, and I am who I am, and the world's going to kind of revolve around me. It's amazing how much we can make our relationships with others about our needs, our dreams, our goals, and our life that we never stop to value what could be possibly be happening in them. So when it comes to the person that you love, or at least want to, what would they say has most of your attention? What would the person you love say has most of your attention? Is it work? Is it sports? Is it the Super Bowl? Is it what's got your attention the most? And perhaps you could pause this week and pay some attention to the person you say you want to love. The second thing that I think the people that we love the most that we could give them is acceptance. Acceptance. Uh, it's interesting how we will put people through an application process before we truly accept them just as they are. Uh, one of my life verses is Colossians 3 verse 13. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Some versions say, uh, leave margin. The, l- leave a little bit of space for other people to make some mistakes. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Embrace their flaws. You know what I know to be true about you and me? Is we all think we're consistently putting up with other people. Right? Like, we're amazing, and and you're blessed that I'm here, okay? But you need to get your act together and, and, and thank God that I have enough grace for you, okay? I'm enduring you and you're blessed by me. It's just not true. Every single one of us has something other people are putting up with. Every single one of us. And, and, and that should give you the grace to give someone else to say, oh, I'm not giving you grace because I'm awesome and you're not lucky you. It's going, no, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm a flawed human, and, and you'd be surprised what can happen when we give grace to one another. You know, Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. Not, not once you got your act together. No, no, no. There was, no, no. Like that, that's not how, how it works. I love what it says in Ephesians 5, 25, it says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Christ didn't wait for us to get our stuff together before he decided to love us. If, if we had to go through an application process for the love of Jesus, we'd never make it. 
yet we'll put other people through the ringer before we'll love them. And, and we kind of go to God and go, God, but they'd be a whole lot more lovable if they would just get their act together, Jesus. Please help them, and then I'll love them more. But if we're going to love people well, they've got to know that they can be themselves with us. That, that they can be their whole selves with us. Because anyone in a relationship with you or me, or, or, or anyone in a, in a relationship that is considering being in a relationship with you, they're all asking the same question. Can I be myself with them? Can I cry with them? Can I be frustrated with life with them? Can I be afraid with them? Can I be safe with them? Uh, you want to know what, I, what, what blesses me the most? Like, like you, you want to know what I love seeing? Okay, this is not a political statement, I promise you, okay? But, but, but I love seeing couples uh, where one person is wearing a mask and the other one isn't. <laughs> I love it. Scientifically, it makes absolutely no sense to me. But nevertheless, I think it's romantically incredible, okay? Because it's like, hey, I had a thought about something. You had a thought about something. We came to a different conclusion, but we're going to ride the same car together and go to church and worship. I love it. We're going to hold hands. And I love asking couples, like, so how did you come to church? How did you make this today's decision? Was it to match the outfit? What were we, what was kind of on the agenda this morning? But I love that they, one has a smile on their face. The other one, I don't know if they have a smile on their face because they're wearing a mask. But I assume some smile under there too. But they were able to figure it out. Which lets us know that we can have differences and see things differently and still love each other well. I mean, we could easily go the other way and say, until you get your act together, then we'll make things. Until you start thinking a little bit more like me, then I'll love you more. But I think love makes room for the other person to be themselves. Which leads me to the third and final thing I believe we have to give if we want to love someone else well. Number three is appreciation. Appreciation. Oh, it's looking across the table. It's looking across the room. And just appreciating that you got somebody good. And sometimes you haven't paused long enough to even recognize it. I love what 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the love chapter says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Couldn't we say that love doesn't just not keep a record of wrong, but what if we said that love does keep a record of rights? What if I, what if I just started keeping track of what, what you're doing right because in romance, what often happens is we keep a record of their wrongs and our rights. We remember every time we did the dishes. Oh, yeah, sometimes you're doing the dishes and they ain't there and you want to film it. You're like, I, let me do a selfie. Let me set this up on TikTok. Let me show them how I, let me show you what I did while you was out. Yeah. Laundry didn't fold itself. I don't want you to think somebody else did it. I want you to see that I did it. 
Every time you put the kids to bed, every bath, every, every piece of homework, like you, you, you keep track in your mind. I know what I did right. I can remember every time I went the extra mile for them. But then we tend to keep a file on when they didn't support us, encourage us, clean up, or speak our love language in some way, or forgot an anniversary, didn't do this on my birthday. And just and, and what I know about the people we love the most is every single one of them could use a little bit of appreciation from us. One of the things I, I realized over the past couple of years as uh, my travel schedule and, and different things have increased is there, there could be this um, idea of not really uh, knowing exactly what my wife is doing at home when I'm not actually there. But I had to start assuming that she was doing a hundred little things to support our family that I could not see. But sometimes I would be thinking, well, I'm doing a hundred little things I'm doing, like that she has no clue about that I'm doing to support our family that she can't see. And so at one point I just said, hey, instead of forcing each other to like brag about our part and supporting our family, I said, hey, I'm just going to assume the best about you. So sometimes that means thanking my wife for what I can't always see. Sometimes it's a gift based off an educated guess, okay? It's a hypothesis. I don't know. But I'm just going to assume that all of this happened in a way and you had a big part to play in it. And sometimes I think we can walk around and go, well, they know. Of course they know. I love them. You see this house? You see this, huh? You got lights today, didn't you, huh? Yeah, you got gas in your car. I showed you I loved you, didn't I? But do, do they know that you appreciate them? Do, do they know? When was the last time you looked them in the eyes and just said, you know what? I just thank you for what I can see and what, what I cannot. This week, I th- assume they have no idea. Assume they're clueless. And not just because it's Valentine's Day, but because you want a great marriage. Because you want great relationships. Now, I love what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This could be the most encouraging, discouraging verse in Scripture. Because it's like the idea of giving thanks and finding good things. Man, that sounds great. But the, the hard part is the all circumstances. Because all circumstances include when you're fighting with your spouse and when you're not fighting with your spouse. Because all circumstances include being single, being divorced, widowed, or happily married. All all, all circumstances include broke or rich, bankrupt or investments growing. They're all all circumstances. It's kind of like the vows people tend to make when they get married. Till death do us part for richer or poorer in sickness and in health. You know... uh, the marriage I was exposed to as a kid was my parents. Uh, my dad um, married my mother when he was 46, 47 years old. Uh, had me when he was about 50. And by the time I was, you know, eight or nine, my dad had suffered his first stroke. My parents were married for 30 years before my dad passed. In 20 of those years, they were married in sickness. I remember the last two years of my father's life, he was in a hospice. He was at a nursing home about 45 minutes from my mother's house at the time in Atlanta, Georgia. And she would commute 45 minutes both ways every single day to visit him and pray for him and 
he couldn't move, he couldn't talk, he could nod his head up and down to say yes or shake his head to say no. I remember one time my mother uh, went up there on their anniversary and played his favorite movie in, in his room and, you know, trying to navigate all the types of decisions families have to make in the situation that my dad was in and trying to figure out, you know, do not resuscitate and when do you give up and how long do you hold on and and my mom was trying to get a sense of that from my dad and, and said, Emmanuel, are you in any pain? And he, he shook his head, no. And my mom says, are you ready to go see Jesus? He shook his head, no. My dad's like, there's a couple nurses here that need to give their life to Jesus. I ain't done, you know. That was dad. He shook his head, no. And then, and then my mom goes, do you want a kiss? And he shook his head like that. He's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, until, until to my dying breath, I'm here for it. You know, I'm like, go ahead, dad, get yours. I get it, you know. And so... And so I was talking to my mom, my dad's, uh, you know, he passed away six years ago uh, in, in the anniversary date of that was a couple of weeks ago. So my mom uh, lives, lives near me and my family now and, you know, we're taking care of her and we, we were out for her birthday a couple of nights ago and, and just reminiscing just about my dad. And, and she said, you know, Ryan, one of the things I will hold in my heart to the day I die is the day your father said, hey, uh, Cheryl, can you, can you take me to the dollar store? My dad always loved Walmart and the dollar store, right? She's like, Cheryl, you think you can take me to the dollar store? She's like, all right, I'll take you to the dollar store. And my dad was slick, right? He gets to the dollar store. And then he said, hey, Cheryl, uh, you think I can borrow a dollar? I was like, okay, he, he making moves, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, 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 he thought this through. And he goes in the dollar store, and, and he just gets a birthday card from my mom. And he comes out, and he says, hey, I just, I just wanted to get a birthday card from my girlfriend. And my mom says, she said, you know, she said, Ryan, I'll hold that in my heart to the day I die. It's just interesting. Sometimes you, you can listen to some love songs and just think like, you know, maybe if we can get to the beach, if we can get the right house, or maybe we could splurge on each other and, and have this romantic idea of, of what we've been sold is, is true love, but I don't know. You know, I, I just listened to that story and it just convicted me of just going, maybe we got to get back to the basics. Maybe the people we love just, you know, I, I sometimes I think about my family and think about my, my bride and Sometimes I think about, man, what could I do for them that is extravagant? Could we go on some awesome vacation or have some grand experience or take them to a game or a concert? And those things are great. Those are great romantic gestures. But there's plenty of days where I wake up and I just go, man, I, I think they might trade it all for my undivided attention. I, I, I think they might trade it all for truly just accepting them as they are and not needing to perform or even impress me in, in some way, shape, or form. I think they might trade it all if, for just a little bit of appreciation, looking them in the eyes and letting them know, you're my world. I think these are some things that I, I think can help us improve, improve our love life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give each and every person an, an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life. Um, here's what I know to be true. It's going to always be difficult to 
show unconditional love to someone else if we've never received it from someone else. And what I want to give you an opportunity to receive today is the unconditional love and grace and mercy and forgiveness of God that we did not deserve. We cannot talk about love without talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. We cannot love each other without first receiving it from God. And, and that might be you today. Today may be your day. You say, you know what, I, I'm having a hard time loving others because I, I've never received it fully. If that's you today, with no one looking around at every location, would you just slip up your hand and say, hey, Ryan, that's me, Ryan, that's me. I see your hand, I see your hand, it's great. Anybody else? A couple of hands over there, that's awesome. I'm sure there's hands and, and cape and God behind bars. Hey, can we all say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I ask now that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender my future, my decisions, my relationships, and my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Amen. Come on, can we make some noise for every single person that gave their heart to Christ? Best decision you've ever made.